Our scripture passage for this morning comes from Ephesians 6. Pastor Jacob will be diving into it with us in just a moment, but we're going to go ahead and take a look. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's good to see you. Welcome you to Providence. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. And Rachel and I, my wife and I, just got back from two weeks in Israel. It was an amazing trip. So many of you have uh, asked me, uh, about our trip and to tell you all about your trip. And all I can tell you is probably uh, in the next year, you will wish that I had never gone to Israel. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, the things that, that happened there. We walked where Jesus walked. You know, we, we stood in the valley where David slayed Goliath. We sailed on the Sea of Galilee. We touched the rock where Jesus was crucified. We went into the tomb, the traditional place for Jesus' tomb. And you know what we found there? It's empty, no bones. Was, so you're gonna get tired of me talking about it. But here, I've got three things that I wanna tell you about it today. The first is, it's all real, guys, okay? Some of you have been there, it's all real. It's, it's exactly uh, as the Bible describes it, exactly. The second thing is this, Jesus is drawing the whole world to himself. Sometimes I get in this little world, in the Providence world, and all this stuff is going. I went there, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every race, is being drawn to our God and, and coming there and, and worshiping it, which I, I say that to you, that that includes you, but I just want you to know it's way bigger than you. And, and I think some of us are so worried about the world and I get that, but what I felt when I was there was don't fret, don't be afraid. He has the whole world in his hands. It's not up to us. And then the third thing is this, y'all heard me say this, but it was hammered home there. And that's this, this, this is our go. This is our time. Like what you're experiencing right now is actually your life. You're not, uh, this is not the dress rehearsal for your life. Right? You're not in, don't you feel that way sometimes? Like I'm just preparing for this, I'm preparing for this. This is actually it. And, it. and it was this weird balance of God showing me like, hey, uh, hey Jacob, I've got the whole, I've got the world. Jesus has the church, don't worry about it. And you, you've got to go back and tell the world about Jesus. Right? So why would we do a Thursday night service or live stream our services or or uh, all these services on Christmas is because we want this community. God, this is our go. This is our time. So put on your armor, right? Let's go to battle. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning as we wrap up the series, More Than I Can Handle, where we've been talking about those things that seem like they're just too much for us. 
Life is too much for us. And I'm, we're ending with the thing that uh, more than anything else feels like the thing that is hard to handle or more than we can handle. It's people, All right? People are hard. My life would be so easy if it wasn't for you guys. <laughs> hey, look, the days would be so smooth. We struggle, don't we? We struggle with people. We struggle in our marriages. Even a good marriage is a struggle at times. We struggle with our parents. Even good parents can, can be a struggle. We struggle with our siblings. We struggle with our friends. You know, why can't they be consistent? Why do they post on Facebook when they're out with other people and didn't invite me? I didn't even know about it. Feelings aren't that hurt, but you can like give me a heads up or just don't post. You can actually go out to eat and not post a picture. It's possible. Our kids can be a struggle. Like we love our kids. And then we're like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to parent. Just people are a struggle. When I got off the plane from Israel at the Nashville airport, we've been up for like 30 hours and we walk out, you know, where people can pick you up and our ride was there to pick us up, but they couldn't get in to pick us up because there was this guy in a truck. He was parked there and there was no space to get in. I'm kind of looking at him and there's a sign that says no parking, no waiting. I'm like, what's the deal? You know, and I kind of went, What's the deal, you know? And um, I, asked him, I asked him to roll down his window. I hadn't had much sleep, you know? And I was like, what are, you, what are you doing, man? And he said, I'm waiting on somebody. I was like, the sign says no waiting. And then he began to speak to me in a language. I'd been a, a, abroad for a while. I thought it was a different language. It was actually just words I hadn't heard in a long time. <laughs> he strung them together like a, an artist. And... Uh, I thought, my goodness, I've been in the Holy Land for two weeks. I'm walking with Jesus and I haven't been back in Nashville for five minutes and I don't know how to act because of him. (laughs) And here was the plan for today. We were gonna talk about how to handle difficult people, people in difficult situations. We were gonna pretend like all the difficult people are out there, not in this room. We're the the easy to get along with, but we could come together and and think about how to handle people. I was gonna give some real practical advice on how to deal with the struggle of people. And then I kept running into this verse in my study time that finally by Tuesday, I couldn't give up on it. I'd try to flip pages, but I kept going back to it uh, because it almost said the opposite of what I thought I was supposed to talk about today. I wanted to talk about my struggle with people. And this verse says, our struggle is not against people. It actually says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You know, flesh and blood is flesh and blood is people. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. To which some of you might say, no, Jacob, my struggle is against flesh and blood. His name is Steve. He's right next to me, you know? <laughs> right? I'll be like, my struggle is against flesh and blood. He has an enormous red F-250 that takes up three spots at the airport. Okay, God, if our struggle is not against flesh and blood, then what is it? Because it sure seems like what I'm struggling with is people. And Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms to which we say a collective, what? Our struggle is not against people. Another way Paul says it right in the verse before this, it says, it's against the devil's schemes to which you might think really hang with me okay this is really important 
And people and Christians, we don't talk about it all that much. It's mysterious. It's kind of weird. We could just kind of leave it alone. But until you know it, you're going to be fighting against people. And you're going to be struggling against people. And you're going to be fighting the wrong battle with the wrong weapons. The verse uh, that I just read to you from Ephesians chapter 6 comes right after Paul has given instruction after instruction about how to deal with, guess what? People. So it's not that the Bible doesn't give us practical advice. It gives us a ton. Uh, And and the end part of Ephesians chapter 5 into 6, you can read about it. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 is about how wives should treat their husbands. Ephesians 5, 25 through 33 is about how husbands should treat their wives. So wives get three verses to how to deal with their husbands and husbands get nine to how to deal with their wives. Let's just say it's a bit more complicated for us. <laughs> Rachel's out of town this weekend. I feel so free when she's gone. I just preach however I want to preach. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3 is about how children should deal with their parents. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 is about how parents should understand their children. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8 is actually about slaves in relations to masters and then masters in relation to their slaves, which was a common relationship then. And then right after that, it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. So Paul, who wrote Ephesians, he's like, I get it. You struggle with your marriage. You struggle in parenting. But the struggle is not really these people. It's something above that. Here's the, here's the crux of it, guys. Our struggle is spiritual. And you can live your life, sometimes we try, as if the spiritual does not exist. But it's not true and it won't work. There is a spiritual realm that I won't be able to fully explain to you today because I don't fully understand it. But until you realize and admit that there's this, thing, there's this other stuff going on, you're gonna be fighting the wrong battle with the wrong weapons. Like, here's what I mean by that. If you're struggling in your marriage right now, that involves people, right? <laughs> Some other person. Uh, and it, it involves a lot of other people. Many times it involves kids. Sometimes it involves in-laws. There may have been an affair that involves another person that involves a whole other set of kids and a whole other people. But the, what I'm saying is the battle, the battle is a spiritual one. And until you get that, you're gonna be fighting the wrong battle. You may be in what feels like the fight of your life with a kid right now or a situation with a kid right now. I I know your stories. I know that many of us feel like we're in the the fight of our lives with a situation with a kid. What I want you to understand, what the Bible I think is trying to tell us is it's a spiritual battle. That war that you feel like is going on is a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual realm. There is an evil one. And he has schemes that want to mess up your marriage, destroy your relationship with your kids and make you yell at people in parking lots. I can't explain it to you, but I would just ask you to think, do you ever feel like in the midst of your week, like you're just struggling? You're like, what am I struggling against? This is the job I wanted. Kids are doing, what's the struggle? I'm telling you, there's actually a spiritual battle over you. I know it sounds, it sounds crazy, but, but it's, it's true. And so, um, what do we do? Do we walk around scared of spiritual forces that we can't see and don't understand? No. I'm so excited to share this scripture that Regina read with you again. You're gonna love it. God gives a visual, an image, something that we can actually step into, something that we can actually practice, something that we can actually understand. And here's what God says. God says, put on armor. Let me read the scripture to you. It says, put on the full armor of God 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Two verses later in 13, it says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. What's the full armor of God? Well, it's what you would think it would be. It's a belt, it's shoes, it's a breastplate, it's a shield, it's a sword, and it's a helmet. I'm gonna ask you this morning to not overthink this, okay? But just to sort of step into it like a child might, hearing God describe this armor that he's giving us. Are y'all up for it? All right. No one nodded, but I don't care. It's just like the plan, okay? First, you need a new belt, right? The belt is truth. That's your new belt. So you walk around with truth buckled around your waist. So instead of lies, instead of temptation, instead of impulses, instead of your weaknesses, the belt is truth. What's Paul referring to here? The truth is the word of God. The truth is Jesus. And that means you can walk around brave because God tells us in his word, you don't have to be afraid. So your belt is that truth. You can walk around strong because God's word says, be strong and courageous. So that's your, your, your belt. You can walk around known because the Bible tells us that we are actually the sons and daughters of God. You can walk around loved because the Bible says God so loved the world. So that's the truth and you wear it, okay? So that's your new belt. Next thing that you need to wear is a breastplate. Now, most of us don't have a breastplate in our normal outfits. A breastplate is a simple thing in ancient armor. You'll understand it really quick. It's a protective piece that covers your torso. So the body hasn't changed in thousands of years since this was written. Um, The heart's here, the lungs are here, the vital organs are here. And so ancient armors had something that covered all of that. If you don't have that covered, you're toast. Now, a a modern day equivalent of that might be like a bulletproof vest, right? You're gonna cover over the most, most important and precious things. So what's your breastplate? What's your bulletproof vest in God's armor? Righteousness. What does that mean? It means Jesus is the only one who's righteous. Jesus is the only one who's right. Jesus' righteousness is the only thing that can stand before God. We all mess up. We mess up in our relationships. We cheat, we lie. So if we have to stand in spiritual battle with our righteousness, we're toast, but we don't have to. Look what God is giving us in this armor. Your breastplate is Jesus. So as you step out into your day, Jesus covers your heart. Jesus covers your lungs, covers your breath. Don't overthink it. Just try to step into it, okay? The third thing in our armor is shoes. You gotta have shoes. So your feet, this is what the scripture says, your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So your shoes, your new shoes are peace. What kind of shoes you got on? You'd be like, oh, I got peace on today. So what would it be like if you walked around and it was like, peace, 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 peace. Let's imagine, you know, you walk out into the pickup line of the airport, you know, and you're like, peace, 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 big red 250 with a goober in it who can't read. Peace, 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 peace. I don't have to fight that battle because that's not the battle I'm supposed to fight. What about on one of those days when you're walking home and you're mad at everything that breathes? You've been composed at work. You're not going to show that to those relationships, right? You've kept it composed, but, but you know that you're walking into a battleground that you've created when you walk into the kitchen. What if you walked in instead if you could uh, pray to yourself in the garage and you could say, walk into your kitchen instead and say, peace, 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 peace. 
God has, has given us a, a new outfit. And, you know, sometimes what you have to do, I know this sounds kind of crazy, like what in the world are we even talking about? Sometimes what you have to do to actually see if something's going to fit, a new outfit is, you know what you have to do, right? You have to try it on. That's what I'm asking you to do before you figure, you know, like you're shopping, you're like, does this look good? You know, you're holding it up and doing all this. What's the salesperson going to say? Why don't you just try it on? What I'm putting out before you this morning, why don't you just try it on? Why don't you see what that's like to put peace on your feet, truth on your, your waist, <laughs> wear Jesus' righteousness. The next thing, like if you've read this far, you're into it. And so it's starting to get good. The next thing we get is a shield. And it says, the shield extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil one. The scripture's so alive. It's so beautiful. You know, like I picture a little boy, you know, reading this, like, now I've got my shield. Okay, God, what's the shield? The shield is faith. The breastplate is all about Jesus. What Jesus can do and that you could never do. That's what's covering your vital organs, right? But the shield, that's your faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what you can hold. So you get to extinguish, imagine it guys, you get to see the evil one's arrows coming and you get to extinguish it with your faith, your belief. I believe in you, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles, right? Now what if you miss with your shield? (laughs) Breastplate of righteousness, you're good. You're covered. Jesus has done everything that's necessary to keep you away from the devil and his, and, and his powers, okay? But isn't this so cool that we have a God, like a father who puts us into it, right? It says, but you can extinguish it with your faith, your word, your testimony has power. Your story has power to say, no, I believe, I believe. Some days you leave the shield at home because you're a goober, right? okay you have the breastplate of righteousness jesus righteousness will cover you but i would ask you does anybody believe today do you want to take an active part in the spiritual world the full armor also includes a helmet the helmet is salvation so you wear salvation on your head you wear on your head that you're saved We have a young man, Ryder, at the next service. He's eight years old. He's going to be baptized. Salvation. And his whole head, it's going to be over his whole head, right? We baptize a baby. We put the sign of the cross on their forehead. We mark them, right? You carry around on on your head that you're saved. Last item in the armor of God. Remember, we're told this is the full armor of God. Everything I've explained thus far is sort of defensive. Uh, The next thing is offensive, and that is a sword the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our weapon is God's word. I've tried even this morning, just in this sermon, to speak God's word over you over and over and over. Because in our, in our struggle, we have to remember we're not really struggling against people. That's what all this has been about today, okay? Our struggle is not really against people. As spiritual beings who are on a spiritual side, which is God's side, we're supposed to wear these things and they fit. You may be hearing this, and it sounds so strange. I don't even know if it would fit me. I don't even know how to, I don't talk that way. I don't talk righteousness talk, salvation talk. I don't even know if that would fit me, right? And what's worse than clothes that don't fit? You know, sometimes I'll end up getting, I don't really like shopping. I get kind of nervous in the store, and everybody's moving around, and I know you should try it on, and I'll, I'll get home. I did this recently. I got home, and I put on this pair of pants, and Rachel's like, what are those? I was like, I got some new pants. She says, what size are they? And I look down, I tell her the size. She's like, that's not your size. 
I was like, I know, but I just had to get out of there, right? And so these pants are ridiculous. Like they're too big. We had this important meeting the other night and I was wearing them in the office and some of the guys in the office were like, Jake, what are those pants? I was like, I don't know. They don't fit. And so you may be hearing about this and think, I don't know. Is this gonna fit me? Try it on, all right? Try it on. I've said over and over, if you aren't open um, to the spiritual realm, to a spiritual understanding, you'll be fighting the wrong battle with the wrong weapons. And what I mean by that is your spouse is not your enemy. Like if you feel like you're in a battle right now with your spouse, that's not true. Uh, If you're in covenant relationship with someone, they are on your side. And so you have to begin to change the way you're looking at the battle to say, we are fighting a battle, yes, but we're fighting it together. Like with your kid, if something's uh, something's going on and, and you have to begin to see that your child is actually on your side. I had to do it with one of my children uh, recently. I asked her, come sit next to me. You know, we are not in a battle like this. We are on the same side. And I began to teach her about the, the spiritual realm and spiritual understanding because we can live our whole lives not thinking about things in the spiritual realm and we use the wrong weapons. And so if we, if we don't do that, we use the weapons of like loud voices and shame and some people use fists and some use isolation and withdrawal and silence. We can use the wrong weapons, right? We can use the weapons of another drink or another relationship. We have a bunch of weapons and they destroy and God's calling us to see a different way. So what's our weapon? Remember the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Listen to the scripture. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The most powerful thing we can do is pray, is speak to God. You don't have to have it down, right? It can be all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests, all occasions. Our weapon is prayer. Let me close with this story. This will be my first uh, Israel story, okay? The first of many. (laughs) Rachel and I went to what's called the, the Western Wall, and the Western Wall, you've probably heard of it sometimes, called the Wailing Wall. It's the last, uh, it's the small piece of, uh, of a wall that's the last remaining wall that was around the old temple in Jerusalem. You've heard us talk about the temple. The most holy place for the people of God was to come up to this temple mount, and that's where the temple was. Well, the temple mount is now controlled by Muslims. And so there's this one part of the existing wall that was actually there in Jesus' time. And Jews and Christians alike come from all over the world to pray at this most holy place. Because for them, the most holy place they could go was into the temple. They can't go in anymore. And so they go to the temple wall and they place their hand on the wall. They bring requests. uh, People write on pieces of paper uh, the the people that they want to pray for, the things they want to pray for. And they they push them in the wall. And the wall is filled with all these tiny pieces of paper that have been pushed in. And so Rachel and I went and we took your request, many of the church's requests, some of you know. uh, But here was my first one, the first one that I took. The people people that I love. And I went to the, to the Western wall and I took that piece of paper and I stuck it in the wall and I spoke my daughter's names out into uh, where the temple used to be. And I began to cry. Just tears streaming down my cheeks. I remembered that it was called the wailing wall. And I looked around and lots of people were crying, but everyone was praying out loud. And then I, uh, I brought your request. I began to speak your names your marriages, your children, your jobs. And I began to weep. There was a a man next to me, I learned later, who was from Madagascar. And he had the dirtiest feet that I'd ever seen. He told me that he had sold everything he had 
to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to pray. And as I began to cry, I think I have a picture of him, he fell into my lap. And so here are two brothers, you know, two sons of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, crying and praying. And here's what I felt like. I felt like for the first time in my life, I was like, this is how I'm supposed to fight my battles. I fight my battles with anxiety and angst and struggle and, sh- and trembling and argument. It took me going all, all the way around the world to realize this is how I fight my battles. Through prayer, in the spirit, with tears. And so I would just ask you, are you struggling right now with someone? Your struggle is not with your boss. The fight, the battle is not with your husband or with your mom. There's some real stuff there. There's stuff that has to be worked out. I'm not saying that. But the spiritual forces of evil, they want to trick you into shame and darkness and despair and depression. And so you have to put on the armor. What's the armor? It's truth. It's righteousness. It's peace. It's faith. It's salvation. And it's the word of God. And so we pray God's word into the darkness. We pray, bring your mom before the Lord. Speak her name out loud. Bring your daughter before God. Say her name to God. On all occasions, all kinds of requests. And you then become a participant in the spiritual realm. And you can rest assured that God's got it covered through Jesus' righteousness But as you live in this world, you can, with your faith, be a part of overcoming. You do not have to be overcome. You can be a part of overcoming. So let God win the battle. Would you this week, like a child, put on the full armor of God? Let's pray. God, thank you for this beautiful scripture. Thank you for letting us be in relationship with other people. Help us to know how to love and to serve, to seek justice, to fight for those we love. And help us this morning to know that the best way we can do that is by bringing them before you, coming to your holy temple, kneeling down before you and and offering our prayers. As we come to communion, let it be a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice for us, his death on the cross, and his resurrection that the tomb is empty. We take bread and juice in remembrance of Jesus. Let it be for us the body and blood of Christ that we can be for the world and in all of our relationships, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Amen.